Welcome to Shooting the Shit. I'm Alex. I'm Oscar. We were random roommates. And now we're random besties. Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Thank you for being here. Uh, Joanna, can you, you briefly introduce yourself and tell us where your, uh, your maker story specifically as it pertains to dancing? Where does it begin and where has it gone through the years? Uh, hello, my name is Joanna. Uh, I go by Joe, and I have been dancing since I was like four years old. My mom put me in Chinese cultural dance, so we learned a lot of the provincial um, different styles and things like that, and it was really fun. And then I was thrown into the classic um, pit of Chinese girl growing up of doing ballet, <laughs> and I was actually on point for a couple of years, so I went pretty far, but I just figured it wasn't really the thing that I wanted to do. I felt pretty stifled. Um, creatively, I just felt like there were a lot of rules. It was very strict, um, and I wanted to explore different types of dance. So I actually branched into hip hop, uh, starting in high school, and from there, I just felt there was a lot of space for both um, like emotional, mental support in the community, as well as uh, looking at freedom and and no expectations and just creating whatever you wanted. So I looked into some foundational styles. So that's going to look like popping. There's a style called locking, not dropping, just <laughs> just break dancing. Um, and it was it was just a really good time to both learn the foundation techniques, but also have the freedom to do whatever I want. And so since then, both in high school and in college, I directed a few hip hop teams where we create a lot of choreography. Um, we make sets and we perform them at various venues, things like that. Awesome, awesome. Can can you describe the the moment where you decided you want to transition? Like, how how did you get into that? In was it like around high school or like middle school? Like into hip hop. Yeah. How does how does like a high schooler just like enter that <laughs> world? I ascended. <laughs> yeah. How did you ascend to that plane? Basically, I had always just been like a goody two-shoes. I had always done everything my parents wanted me to do, like ballet, piano, studied hard. Um, and I think something in high school, I just broke. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'll still keep up my grades, but I want some sort of like identity that's my own that wasn't really forced upon me. And so it was kind of funny. We were watching those step-up movies. I don't know if you remember them, mm -hmm. you know, with your friends. And we're like, wow, like, they're just so cool. <laughs> um, and so, yep, I just told my mom, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm dropping ballet. Like, I really don't want to do this anymore. My feet hurt. <laughs> uh -huh. And I just enrolled in some hip hop classes and joined a team. And they they are just really supportive and, and really community-like. So it's been really helpful to just pick up uh, no matter what age. What was that transition like on like a, a, a technical kind of end of things? Because I know there's a lot of dance stuff that carries over and some switches are easier than others, but that was definitely like a different jump, I can imagine. But for what sure. was kind of, a, you know, that transition like for you? Yeah, um, that's a great question because it was definitely really tough, I think. Um, going both directions. So for hip hop dancers who want to go into ballet, it's it's hard having suddenly a bunch of rules enforced on like how your body should look, what you should be thinking about. And then for me going from ballet into hip hop, I just didn't know how to relax. So I was constantly like pointing my toes, like trying to stand really upright. And it's not really about that, right? Hip hop is more about groove and and musicality and and just sort of adapting to new to new songs, things like that. And uh, for me, it was a lot of unlearning what I had learned. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but just kind of letting go of pointed toes, letting go of like holding your arms a certain way or like holding your neck a certain way. Um, that was definitely the hardest part of just learning to relax and, and just enjoy myself. You mentioned kind of an interesting thing about sort of 
looks and image with respect to the ballet stuff, which I know is kind of a big thing. What was the sort of transition on the community and of things on the dancing? Because I feel just as a distant observer, the dance community, like squads within the dance community are like mm -hmm. some of the coolest and like most supportive groups I feel I've seen, <laughs> which is amazing. I've always been jealous. I'm like, shit, I should have been a dancer. I should have been a dancer. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was that transition like? Did you also notice a big change in the community? Yeah, that's awesome to, to just hear asked about because I don't think people talk about it a lot. Um, <laughs> obviously at Stanford, I had a really, really close community um, and just in high school and, and just learning from a lot of people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, obviously um, having support from the black community because they create everything. But with ballet, it was, I was surrounded by, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, like really rich white girls 24 seven. It was really tough because there's a lot of judgment as you can imagine, as I'm sure everyone's heard about. Um, of the way you look, like I said, so really wanting to be skinny, um, really flat chested and just really strong, but like in a way that isn't like visually like attacking you. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I think with hip hop, obviously no one cares, like people of all different sizes and all heights, whatever, are all dancing and able to kind of do the same things. With ballet, again, socially, um, I always felt like I was an outcast just because I was an Asian American girl in a predominantly white community. Um, they would always make very judgmental remarks like, oh my gosh, like literally someone, I remember this very clearly, but someone behind me, I just done a combination on the floor in my little point shoes, my leotard. Someone behind me was like, oh my gosh, like her leg didn't even go that high. It's like in what reality, mm -hmm. like, is this yeah. relevant, you yeah. know? And with hip hop, it's just, it's not really about that. Like, obviously we want to push each other to improve, but it's more of improving in your own creativity. So we push each other to, to make choreography or to try new styles, but it's not really about like, hey, like, you know, you looked terrible in that one move, like redo it until it looks perfect kind of thing. And so that's definitely helped with community because there's no pressure. Um, there's no reason to really like feel like you're competing against another person. Yeah, yeah that's also huge to have that experience. Well, what you were describing in Bali as such an early age and I think it's actually in, in some ways it is advantageous to have experienced that earlier on in life rather than getting so steeped in in the culture for that long especially when you felt like you were just being treated as an outsider the entire time yeah absolutely I felt like leaving that community and sort of that mindset was really helpful just as a as a person and developing like who I wanted to be and what I enjoyed um instead of just feeling like I was like never good enough for that community or um, just wouldn't ever really fit in in a way that they all sort of did with each other. And I, I do remember this one tidbit from your, your uh, intern poster. <laughs> oh boy. And, and this actually led to a conversation about, um, which I didn't know about like your career paths potentially splitting. I, I, you did describe yourself as uh, having danced for like New Balance. You seemed like you were pretty much like at the top of the high school game. You maybe describe a little bit your your decision to not having pursued dance or even what that entire life might have looked like for you. Mm -hmm. So what Alex was talking about was uh, at our intern presentations at the company, they wanted like a fun fact, you know, something to draw people in. And my it fun was very fact fun. Was... It was the most fun I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, my fun fact was I had danced and modeled for New Balance, um, the like running shoes company. And I think that was really fun. It was just kind of exposure to actual industry applications and kind of like dipping a toe into professional uh, gig work and um, yeah, what I could do with that in the future. 
I think for me, um, actually coming to Stanford was the decision where I was like, all right, I'm going to pursue something other than dance. Because before then, I was really deciding between Stanford and USC. And for USC, it's in LA. It's next to a lot of big studios. Um, I actually had a friend who went there and is make, he's he's been on like the Ellen show. He's in like all these dance oh, wow. music videos. He's like big, big. Yeah. Is it um, Twitch? Is your friend Twitch? No, 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 but he's dancing with Twitch. <laughs> oh, damn, that's pretty cool. Though. Yeah, that's and fire. it's crazy. Like, I see him in movies. Obviously, he was a lot better than I was, but it's still, like, that's sort of one of the routes that I was thinking of taking was really pursuing this and just going for it, taking classes all day, school kind of being on the back burner. Um, but for me, I think I decided that I wanted to um, pursue just other interests and other areas I knew I was good at. So um, a lot of people actually in the dance community tend not to be academic focused, as you can imagine, just with time commitments um, and and cultural backgrounds, things like that. So for me, um, I felt like a privilege <laughs> to get into Stanford and have the opportunity to at least study something. So that was kind of like my step back from dance and in my head, categorizing it more as a hobby now and just a fun like life addition rather than <laughs> like an entire career. Would there ever be something that would like pull you back to be like, okay, screw this academic stuff and the work <laughs> stuff um, in the more traditional sense and say, hey, maybe maybe I might want to take a shot at going back to that dance career path or at this point, are you kind of like, it takes something big for that to like happen? Yeah, um, there were actually several times throughout my my career at Stanford where I, I almost kind of switched back. <laughs> I think um, my sophomore year, I was actually directing Alliance, one of the larger teams. Um, and I, I put in a lot more effort to bring in really famous choreographers to come teach us and um, to put on shows that had a lot more focus on like professional level technique and styles and things like that. Just trying to uh, bring the team to a, a different level of performance and professionalism. And I think I actually invited a bunch of industry experts and they came and they were like, you know, like you could do this. They're like, you are probably one of the best dancers here on campus. Like if you want to go professional, like I would support you. And in those moments, I'm like, ah, <laughs> should I have done it? I, I could have. And I mean, I don't know how successful I would have been, but yeah, um, I think I ultimately decided, of course, pursuing it as a as a professional thing would mean I, I would lose a lot of enjoyment from it, right? Because it's it's suddenly becomes your job and you rely on it for security um, and mm -hmm. for livelihood. And so I, I'm pretty happy with my position right now in terms of kind of doing it as an extracurricular, having it as a social activity to meet people without the pressure of that needing to be like my salary, you know? <laughs> right, right. You mentioned that during, this was during your sophomore year that you were you know, directing stuff for Alliance. Can we dig in a little bit into sort of the dance creation process of, you know, maybe you can start us from the ground up, whether that's setting up a good team, picking the music, everything, kind of just take it away. What's, how do we get a show, you know, at the end of the day, a routine? Oh man, this is a big question. I will kind of go over everything, I go over everything overviewed um, and let me know if you have any specific questions. But um, I would say as a director, um, my main responsibilities were um, leading practices of the team and creating the show and, and the logistics for the show. So in terms of practices that involves um, new members, new members, we try to do a very um, holistic, like kind <laughs> people, person relationship type of auditions where when people have technical um, ability, which is just being able to learn like a piece of choreography, um, we're really focused on on making sure the fit is correct. And so for us, 
having new people join our team, it has to be a completely unanimous vote. So you can imagine our deliberations take forever. I think we've done it for over 15 hours just sitting like wow. on campus somewhere. <laughs> yeah, talking about people. Um, but that really ensures that like everyone who joins, like we love each other, right? We're automatically already so close. Like we fought for each other to be on the team. And that really helps with the team dynamic and, and efficiency of practice because we all really care um, and want to have a good time together. Yeah, so our practices, it's basic logistics. It's like uh, having to rent out spaces. Um, I had to cut music by myself. Definitely downloaded a lot of MP3s from YouTube. There we go. <laughs> <The classic>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Don't put this on the internet. <laughs> um, and then uh, with the show, it's, it's a lot of like funding with our financial officer, reaching out to other teams in the community, seeing who's interested in trying to make sure a lot of different styles are represented. So whether that's like cultural dancing, uh, we, right, we have Cardinal Ballet, we have a ton of different hip hop groups, um, smaller teens as well. And I think um, just being able to manage <laughs> all of that, like I I would say was equivalent to like an eight unit class. <laughs> I really just put class like on the back burner. I was constantly like editing music, like sending emails, reaching out to people um, and, doing a lot of that. But I would say the best part of directing was just people's trust in you for choreography. I actually hadn't choreographed too much. Um, I did a little bit of like high school assembly type choreography, but uh, Stanford was really like cranked out new pieces. So that's like picking a song, really vibing to it, having some kind of affinity to the song and, and the musicality in it, and then just creating moves on the spot <laughs> to fit it. And yeah, it was definitely a really, really intense process, but I think like without directing, I would not be as good of a choreographer as I am today. Sure. How, how do you come across songs? Is it a concerted effort where you're like, okay, I'm going to add these like 50 songs and we queue them up and I'm just going to like listen or <laughs> does it just come like organically? I try to just listen to a huge variety on Spotify um, and just looking every time I hear a song and I'm like, oh, like there's a really interesting like bass rhythm or mm -hmm. like an just like a funky, you know, something that just really gets you like wanting to get up and move and dance. Mm -hmm. I just add it to a choreo playlist. And I think every dancer has like a choreo playlist of like 300 songs that you probably never even touched. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's just kind of creating a library. And then when it is time to choreograph, um, kind of depends on the mood and and um, what kind of piece you're looking for. So sometimes it's like, oh, like I really want to like a sexy, like suave piece. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, I really want a hard hitting aggressive piece. So um, it's, it's tough. It's like writing, you get like choreography blocks a lot and just get stuck, but try to spice it up every time. <laughs> During those, those sessions, does it end up being sort of like a, an equivalent of like a, I don't know, like a brainstorming meeting where it's like, all right, yo, we're gonna just run through these songs, just run through these playlists kind of just go at it and dance and feel what comes and then we'll be like, oh, this kind of slaps and like this move feels good with is that, is that kind of what it looks like? Or how's that kind of happen where you're like, oh, this is something I want to or can choreograph something for? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that was a pretty good description. A lot of the times I'll just pull up the playlist, I'll hit shuffle. And like, sometimes it'll be one song and be like, ooh, like this part is really, I feel it. I'll, I'll spend maybe 30 minutes on it. And then after the 30 minutes, I do it. I look in the mirror, I'm like, that was trash. Moving on to the next <laughs> song. Um, kind of until a point where, at least this is my personal experience, until I feel something that I'm really invested in. Um, and then I'll like make a concerted effort to like really focus in on the types of instrumentation, the, the lyrics, um, and actually like focus in um, to 
on that one piece, I would say. But it, it's definitely a brainstorm process, a lot of like mixing and matching um, different songs until I find something that I really vibe with. This might be a little too metaphysical. Maybe I don't know if it could be described in the words, you know. Um, but how, like, what's your creative process to try and like get you out of like a rut? So, for example, if you do you ever observe yourself kind of running the same routines or the same moves a lot? And like, how do you try and sidestep that urge to just kind of do the same things? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a pretty common issue is, is a lot of people when they choreograph kind of resort to the same like set of moves that they feel comfortable with and know like looks good on their body. Um, so there's this, also this thing called freestyle and dance, right? Um, it's very similar to like ciphering and rapping verbally, but basically you hear a song and you just go for it. Um, and a lot of that is, is trying to experiment with new moves, with new sounds, with new textures in your dancing. So that's definitely one of the best like strategies to try and get yourself out of a rut is just turn the music on, like don't think, just do whatever you want. Um, I usually record myself, just close your eyes and just go for it. <laughs> and then from there, kind of like picking out like, oh, like I've never done that before. Like I'll try putting that in a very specific spot. Um, yeah, just, just being able to watch yourself and see what your body does consciously and unconsciously is really helpful to uh, creating new types of moves and new styles. Um, one of my strategies as well is because every song is different, um, I will usually, this is something that a lot of people teach in, in dance choreography lessons, but you listen to one very specific instrument or sound. So it might just be the snare or it might be the bass or it might be the hi-hat, something like that. And you just uh, only move on those sounds. So that really helps you like pick out very specific musicality points um, that you might not get if you're just kind of like overall grooving to the same like one, two, three, four. Um, that's super helpful. It just adds a little spice in. Um, and sometimes it does the opposite effect too. It allows the audience or whoever's watching you to hear things that maybe they would not have heard um, if they weren't seeing you emphasize those sounds as well. How does the feedback cycle look like between the choreographer and the dancers? Do you, like in your experience when you've done it or the teams you've been a part of, of on the choreography end, um, are you pretty receptive to being like, hey guys, I'm stuck, like hit me with something that you guys think is good, especially too, because you mentioned this um, idea of like getting in a routine of doing moves that you feel are good and that like you're good at, but that doesn't necessarily always apply across to every dancer being unique, mm -hmm. right? Like, do you ever go like, hey guys, just pitch me a bunch of moves or <laughs> what's that look like? Yeah, um, I think unfortunately with the way that a lot of teams are set up, you have like a designated choreographer and then they'll create whatever piece they do and then people will view it and vote on it. And then that person like choreographs it and blocks it to the whole team. So that kind of cycle makes it a lot more difficult to sort of ask for feedback. Um, there have been many instances where sometimes um, like a choreographer didn't necessarily have a vision for a certain part. It was like, hey, anyone have any ideas? People pitch in, super easy to resolve. But one way that I found a lot of dancers um, kind of get around that getting stuck in your own body feeling is just doing collabs. So it's pretty common for people to like collaborate with one other person, maybe two other people, have a group of people doing choreography together. And that way, one, it's a lot faster, right? Because you have multiple minds working and having ideas for different parts. Um, and then, like you said, having the chance to um, try out different things in your body as well as seeing other people do um, the moves that you're kind of used to and, and might not look the same on them. In your 
experience uh, as choreographer yourself and also interacting with these famous choreographers, what do you see as being like the main important qualities of a successful choreographer? Like what did you feel like you picked up that was very useful in your career as a dancer? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll start off just by saying like some of the qualities of the choreographers I really look up to, um, like these industry experts. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the ability to adapt to the song, the music itself. Um, there are tons of famous choreographers out there big names all over YouTube. I'm not going to throw anyone out of the best, <laughs> but they are famous because um, they do sort of, like I said, the same set of moves that looks good on everyone and just at the same studio and everyone on the internet is like, wow, they're so hot. Oh my God, love them. <laughs> um, but people I really look up to are able to take a song, break it apart um, into, like I said, different instrumentation, um, looking at the details, the music itself and create something that's unique to that piece that wouldn't fit to any other song. Um, I think that's something that I've definitely really tried to learn from and I guess create in my choreography as well is just being so specific and not being um, pigeonholed into one very specific style or set of moves uh, as a choreographer. One one thing that's just that I've been trying to that I've been thinking about too and this is just more for personal curiosity when does a choreographer decide when there's going to be moves that are done in unison where everyone's doing them and then being like, hey, I'm going to have like the left side do this, the center side do this, and then the right side do that. Like, how, how do you go about deciding that? Because there's sometimes where it's like everyone's in unison and I know that's super hard to do to get everyone to be on beat. But then you also have these like more collaborative joint motions where people are doing different stuff. Like, what's your uh, process there? Yeah, that's a really fun question because I think there's there's so many answers to it and, and I think everyone does it differently. For me, um, I try to, when I choreograph, obviously you have your individual dance moves that you're creating, but I really try to have a vision <laughs> of what it would look like on a group of people. So looking at music, again, if it's like very lyrical and softer and groovier, sometimes it'll look a lot better with more people, right? Cause it's more of a community feel, um, kind of bodies like swaying and moving the same way. But if you have like a really precise, like hard hitting or um, accented part in music that just might be a little bit different from everything else, it it's it works the same like audio, uh, orally, audio, audio wise as well as visually, <laughs> mm-hmm. where you're gonna want to really emphasize that and accent maybe like a very small group, um, as I'm sure you've seen in, in choreography. Sometimes it's just like dings or like a little fun lyrical part where you can isolate a group and and have them accent the music. Uh, I think the key is just variety, (laughs) it's mixing it up as much as you can because you wanna make it visually interesting for whoever's watching and pull their gaze at different um, groups, different people. And then logistics wise, we obviously don't want the same like three people being stared at the entire dance, right? So sometimes having like a front half like drop and the back half like do some moves allows different people to have their different moments of showtime um, and attention, which is I think really important for uh, groups, especially like casual groups where it's not like there is any reason to compete to be in the front or something like that right right and quick follow-up to that how often have you in in choreography (laughs) choreographing often have you like really vibed with kind of like the individual moves that you've done and then you take it to practice and then you see it multiplied by like 20 and then you realize oh no this is kind of chaotic or like (laughs) this is like ugly as shit Yeah, when I first started, there were a lot of ugly as shit moments (laughs) where I was like, oh, like, 
I have a different background from this, this person has a different background from this person, right? We all have different kinds of trainings and ways we hold our body, um, which like I said previously is like a great thing about hip hop, but it's so painful <laughs> when you try to <laughs> get everyone to look the same. So a lot of the moves that when I was starting um, to choreograph, uh, I felt like looked good on my body, felt very natural. And then I would teach to other people and they'd be like, oh, like, I don't know, that just doesn't feel good to me. I'm like, I'm so mm. sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to I'm do, just pain. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think as the years have passed, I've grown to just try and embrace the overall, the big picture. So a lot of the times that does mean like sacrificing like very intricate technical details in your choreography for like a larger um, image of the entire team. So I, I think there's a balance, like those YouTubers that I was shitting on earlier, a lot of them do like very simple, like single person choreography. And that's why like you see the same, like three or four famous people starring in their videos because they have like very unique ways of putting it in their body. But it's it's a very different process choreographing for huge teams. Um, so the ones that are super popular, like I don't know, like Kendra's Royal Family, stuff like that, it takes a different type of brain power in choreographing. And if you just watch like one individual person, you might see they're not even moving that much. It's more just like for visual effect, you know. <laughs> no, there's some there's something magical about dance and some of the motions. Because I really like well, one, I really like dancing, but I also like magic. And there's something that I like. <laughs> when you described it with uh you know like these concepts of like misdirection where you want them to look one end while stuff's getting set up somewhere else and all of that it's it's just wild which is really cool and then especially because you can use like the bodies to like hide people and block stuff while all this crazy stuff's happening which is amazing and that kind of brings me to this question of you guys put in a lot of work on prepping and practicing and training and there's these super fine technical things that are happening and then you got you come to show day or competition day um and those themselves can be two different things right because competition you're like these technical things are like super important but oftentimes you're performing for a wide mix of audience with different backgrounds what's your take on who the dances are intended for mm. you know because like a general audience will be like oh shit, that's cool they did a backflip or like that <laughs> popping was gnarly or they did some transformer like crazy motion with eight people on a line moving arms in whatever direction like what's your sort of opinion on like who these performances are for is it for you guys is it for friends is it for people who appreciate dance like other dancers well i've never really thought of it that way because of course like everyone's first initial reaction is like we're putting on a show like it's for people to watch it but then obviously like all of our friends at Stanford like they don't give a shit what we're doing we could just be <laughs> up there like face down booty twerking for 10 minutes yeah, yeah. they'll be like oh my god that's good <laughs> so I think in terms of my experience has always been more for the team and it is frustrating right because you practice so many hours hundreds and hundreds of hours everyone's pissed off at some point everyone's in pain <laughs> um but in like five minutes it's over right you never do it again <laughs> But I think um, it's easy to be like, oh, it's all about the process. But it's not, you know, <laughs> we all work towards that one, that one moment. And Screw the process. It's about the show. <laughs> no one cares. Just give me the results. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm kidding. But um, I think in that performance, it is a different type of like exhilaration, being surrounded by the people, feeling like you're completely backed up and you're in sync with these people who are as passionate and emotional and like kind of conveying and performing the same thing that you are. Um, is a really, really 
great feeling. And it's something that I definitely miss in COVID times and post-graduation, um, something I probably won't do for a very long time, but just feeling like you've worked so hard together and like, like everyone's like, it feels like you're holding everyone's hand, like running into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard because I think we, we put in a lot of technique and cool visuals, right? A little like, <laughs> I like your Transformers robot analogy. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, very common, fun thing to do. It's, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I think it really boils down to just like being an artist and wanting to create something mm-hmm. um, that kind of shows off what you can do, but it's also just fun for everyone involved. So you said a lot of things that kind of is a good segue into like a follow-up question. And you've mentioned kind of like putting the technique and the hard work into things. You've also talked about like entertainment value and like just like, you know, putting on a show for people. And I wanted to kind of talk about this moral quandary that Francesca had, which is like, I I can't personally attest to this, but apparently there's this beef with how like professional dancers are kind of laughing at this whole like TikTok dance trend and how oh that's not like real dancing so I want to hear your like spicy take on those dancing right now by the way um (laughs) on like is like what's the value of like TikTok dancing is that real dancing where does it lie in terms of the dance that you do because you are obviously you know a little bit more ascendant from a TikTok dancer. <laughs> Ascendant. Wow. <laughs> Someone hit up the stores.com. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think I, I'll, I'll try and talk about a little, some of the different perspectives, the ones I agree and disagree with. I, I think there's a lot of frustration with TikTok dancers, obviously, because a lot of it is just like hot girls being hot, you know, <laughs> or like hot guys being hot. And it's just more for like visual appeal. Um, like selling yeah the visual consumption um rather than the actual art form and so as I'm sure you notice when you're watching TikToks it is literally that same set of moves that you know you see everywhere and so there's not much room for creative growth um which I think is like I said one of the best parts of dancing in the first place that being said I personally feel like you know if that's a it's if that's an easy venue for people to get interested then I don't really care like I feel like most people are having fun if they're hot and famous like who cares <laughs> there's plenty of those to go around <laughs> and I think from a dancer's perspective a lot of people actually have used TikTok as a venue um, and a medium to to really start their career and, and get famous because I don't know I feel like personally when you watch TikToks I don't know if it's just me but you can kind of tell when someone's like an actual dancer <laughs> or um just doing it for for fun or for casual sake. However, I, I do want to speak to a point where there's a lot of frustration with with from the actual hip hop community uh, with TikTok because it's very much like stealing a style of dance and trying to brand it completely as something that's new and like relatable and easy for everyone. And I think that's a misconception with hip hop, especially with um, teams like Common Origins. Like I I think they're it's great for exposure and, and getting people into the community, but it shouldn't be something that's like, oh, hip hop dance is easy. That's why like everyone mm. wants to do it. It's easy. You don't need any technique. You don't need to like work as hard as you do for ballet, because that's false. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there's so much technique and and like I said, foundational styles that that uh, hip hop dancers have to learn and know and do very well. And people who kind of do that on TikTok skip those steps. They just want to get to the fun and famous part without doing the hard work of actually learning about both the culture, the foundational styles, the technique, um, and, and that important like base to really be able to characterize yourself as a dancer. So it, it's that weird balance of like not wanting to gate, gatekeep it, especially for people who just want to learn for fun, but also needing to promote that this is 
something that has been stolen from like black communities for so long and really needs to be tied back and, and educated um, about the, the roots of it. I think that, no, that sheds a lot of light on, on what dance is. Um, Cause I feel like one of the biggest challenges is uh, sort of that, what you described or can be summarized as sort of respect for the art form and the profession and the work that comes with it. Yeah, I, I always think of like the, the most pervasive cultural balancing act is how do we make it so that the bar is like low enough that everyone can access it, but don't make it so low that people aren't respecting the depth of that subject matter. And you can literally apply this like any <laughs> anything thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like science communication, um, like the immigrant experience, cult, like how culture is depicted in TV, you know, yeah. scores and scores of examples. <laughs> Yeah, hip hop dance is, is super complicated. I don't really need to get into this if it's not super <laughs> relevant, but there is a lot of um, history, obviously, of not only white people um, taking a lot of credit for, for black art, but also Asian Americans. Like that's a huge problem with hip hop right now is a lot of Asian Americans taking this art form. And obviously just like the way I did is like really relating to it and enjoying the freedom and expression with it, but then not really like you said, respecting it or honoring it. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but it, a lot of times like it's there's been something called urban dance, quote unquote urban. Um, that has recently been canceled and like, okay, whatever, cancel culture. But I think it's super valid because it's basically a way of Asian people saying like, okay, we want to take hip hop and something from black communities and then just like rebrand it into something that is palatable for everyone, right? Which is <laughs> so problematic um, and and takes away from the people who created the art form and continue to lead and mentor people in the art form in the first place. And sort of with that, to bring us to like a, a bigger note, what is the future of hip hop? Oh God. As, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I am deciding right here. <laughs> Love how I quietly said, yeah. And CEO, CEO of hip hop industries. Can you tell us the future <laughs> of hip hop? Can you give us a, a market forecast on what? Oh God. No. <laughs> no so uh, going public next year. <laughs> yeah. Hip hop going public 2022. <laughs> but yeah, what's the future of hip hop or where do, would you like to see it going? And then like where you see it going for yourself, um, you know, in these coming years, hopefully once this pandemic is over and you're back grooving with squads and teams and traveling and doing all of that. Um, yeah. What do you see? Oh, bringing a tear to my eye. Oh. <laughs> I think um, right now with hip hop, um, because of the protests and Black Lives Matters movement, as you can imagine, a lot of people are trying to bring it back to its foundation and trying to promote the Black leaders who have literally, like people who created breakdancing and popping are still alive. You know, <laughs> like this is not like a long history of like ballet of these crazy Russian people who died hundreds of years ago. It's very, it's very current and relevant and respect and payment obviously should be due to these people who created it. So it's kind of like a weird divide of um, people returning back to that as well as people who may never have been involved in the community in that way, which I would say like industry folks maybe have never really experienced hip hop community more just so like taking classes and choreography. So that divide is a lot more apparent now. Um, I think there's a lot of arguments for like choreography kind of just being its own kind of, um, I guess like style in, its, in itself because a lot of the movements don't release, I mean, they stem from hip hop, but they're just so like not really related anymore. Um, and that's one of the challenges with like that, what I said, like quote unquote urban dance. But I think 
there's there's a lot of push for education now. So in the past, like I was lucky to grow up in a community with mentors who actually knew the history and the foundations of hip hop, but a lot of people don't. So there's a lot of push now. It's like if you're gonna teach this, like you better know what the fuck you're talking about, um, and you're not just someone who you know those YouTube videos of like white woman who's like, ooh, and now you crump, you know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> trying to move away from that. <laughs> and I think that just comes with um, everything else that's happening in the world today is people needing to learn and dig deep a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, for my future, I'm really, really trying to actively participate in that education value and, and attending um, seminars and, and, and meetings um, both within my community and also larger communities is listening to the people who have things to say and like things that need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long process, obviously, but for me, I, I really want to stay involved with the education aspect because it's helped me a lot. Um, but I think dance wise, I, I want to join a team, like a casual team. I don't want to compete too much work, <laughs> yeah. um, but just have a community again of people that will push me to grow both um, you know, emotionally, mentally, as well as in my technique and dance. That's what I would say my main goal is. Wonderful, wonderful. That was a, an excellent point to end on. Joanna, thank you so much for for uh, agreeing to be interviewed. Um, but before we Bye. let you go, we always end with three rapid fire questions. Oh, um, shit, okay. If you're down, <laughs> okay. Sorry, now it's, sorry. Now it's on, <laughs> lean forward. So yeah, we're just going to... Um, we're going to freestyle these. Yeah. As, as, as they say oh. uh, just kidding we have them written down first question okay. uh, um, um, favorite tattoo oh my god that's not fair uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 probably I have one on my arm that's of the, this guy I know you guys can't see it but um, he's it's from one of my favorite artists in San Francisco and it's basically this guy falling um, it just is really cool perspective and very artsy exactly very really <laughs> All right, next one. Favorite meme? Oh my god! <laughs> right now, I think my favorite meme is that like that GIF of that what? Sorry, it's a GIF, but that one like white cat who's like bopping in the corner, you know, like not <laughs> people paste it over anything. Yeah, it's like sl- yeah. it's like slightly uh, below his chin, so it's kind of yeah, like just... <laughs> a bottom up view. Excellent. And then finally, what have you made that you're most proud of? And this can within the whole spectrum of making wow this feels like an emmy interview question i will not go that direction (laughs) (laughs) um i actually think it was one of the pieces i choreographed in my junior year i think but it was just um actually quite a good summary of everything i talked about with choreography with learning about musicality and vision and incorporating all of those things into one creation um felt very satisfying and i i could like see the growth myself that was really Really cool. Can we get show name and year so that people can look it up on YouTube if it's online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is hypnotized part two, uh, 2019. We're all wearing like red pants and a white and black hoodie. All right. Make sure to look look that on YouTube if you see the the that that color scheme. You know you found it. <laughs> make me make me go viral. <laughs> We're going to do it with, with all our seven listeners. We're going to help you go viral. <laughs> Yo, Oscar, I think I think uh, Spotify predicts that we have uh, actually nine distinct listeners. All right. That sounds enough, go. enough to go it's to money. viral for me. It's money right You get there. plus one from me. Maybe this is just <laughs> one giant scheme of you guys interviewing people and then having them listen. To That's it. That's, uh, we're just trying to expand the network of potential people. Tell <laughs> your okay. friends.
Right on. Well, thank you, Joe.